Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time for another Benny J bonus interview brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. Bonus time on the Ben Droska Show as I speak. It is Friday, November 18th, 2022. And uh, for this conversation, I'll tell you what's the headline in the newspaper, but I'm going to flip the newspaper over. As everybody knows, well, not everybody. you got to be a certain age, certain generation to know what I'm about to say. I think my guests may be too young to know this. But the Chicago Sun-Times, the newspaper itself, as opposed uh, to the Internet variety, uh, has the front page and the back page. And the back page consists of the sports section. So some people, when they get the newspaper, read the paper, they start with the front page and go to the sports page. Some people start start with the sport page and go to the front page. Today, I went sports page to front page because I'm a junkie when it comes to sports. Uh, so the headline is Eberflus Ebb and Flow. <laughs> I'm laughing at this one, ladies and gentlemen. That's a reference uh, to the coach of the Chicago Bears. And there has been a market change in the attitude that the media has in this town to the Chicago Bears over the last four weeks. They went from being the most pitiful team uh, in the world, <laughs> just like routinely and randomly uh, assailed and assaulted uh, by the greatest thinkers, football thinkers in the city of Chicago. And uh, I have to admit, folks, I was one of the people sailing assaulting the Bears. I'm not, and I'm not the greatest thinker. When it comes to football, I'm a football fan. Everybody knows I'm a diehard Chicago Bears fan. I've been a Bears fan since 1966, before my a distinguished guest was even born. But I turned on the Bears when they drafted. They traded up to get Mitch Trubisky. And I was like, pledge, I would never, ever uh, root for the Bears again. And then they traded up to get Justin Fields, and I just flipped. and went back to being a Bear fan. But I bought the conventional wisdom that the bears are going to be terrible this year. And my distinguished guest, every step of the way, he would come on my show. We talk politics. When he'd come on the show, generally, he would say, I was wrong. Ben, you're wrong. Chicago bears have a plan. There's a man in charge of that plan. And they're actually head of the league. Uh, and, uh, I think the sports writers of Chicago kind of come around. Uh, to my distinguished guest point of view. So without further ado, I'm going to ask my distinguished guest to introduce himself, and then we're going to take the deep dive on the Chicago Bears. Distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Good afternoon, Ben. Good afternoon, Chris. This is Lee Allen Jones, rabbit bear fan. You know, been, uh, been very consistent from the beginning in trying to assess this new, uh, this new program of the Chicago Bears. And and I think, uh, you know, I think it's great to kind of be vindicated. Yes. Uh, and the moment of vindication uh, for Lee Allen came uh, after the uh, was the New England Patriots. Every expert in the city of Chicago predicted that the 
Patriots would mop the floor with the Bears. The Bears beat the Patriots. Now, the Bears have a t- abysmal record as we do this interview. Okay. Uh, they are right now, as we speak, th- what, three and seven? So they do not have a good record. But in general, the attitude uh, has changed in Chicago. And the attitude is let's not look at the record, let's look at the long term progress, particularly on the offensive side, and then determine if the Bears are on, on the, uh, the right path. So we'll start at the very beginning, Lee Allen, uh, and uh, I would presume that you agree with me that the Mitch Trubisky trade, uh, where they traded up to draft Mitch Trubisky and passed up Patrick Mahomes, was the worst uh, decision by a Chicago sports team uh, of of this century. I assume you agree with me in that, correct? I wouldn't say that. I would say that it was totally ambitious on then Ryan Pace to believe that a quarterback that didn't have the footprint in college football like Mitch Trubisky should have been traded up for. But you got to remember the atmosphere we were in in the Trubisky trade. Uh, we were just getting out of the Mark Tressman and the Jay Cutler era. So that kind of tarnished what they wanted to do going forward. And I think that was the result of Mr. Trubisky was trying to go away from what Cutler was to try to go to the characteristics that he thought Mr. Trubisky had. And I think that was ambitious on the pace of Ryan, on Ryan Pace. And right. then sticking him with a, a coach that he wasn't with the next year. And I want to believe that he drafted Trubisky under uh, John Fox and then tried to get him developed under Matt Nagy. All right. Well, uh, I would say this about that, and I uh, we're going to move on from what happened in uh, that deal, that any general manager who could look at Patrick Mahomes and look at uh, Mitch Trubisky and think that Mitch Trubisky is a better quarter than Patrick Mahomes should be out of the game of being a general manager. Uh, that is, to me, one of the grossest, most negligent displays of football, a uh, lack of knowledge. I don't even know if I you could articulate it. I'm still upset by it. Uh, but that's ancient history. We're moving on from it. Fast forward, the Bears uh, took uh, Justin Fields. A couple years later, they gave up uh, Mitch Trubisky. They traded up to get Justin Same Fields. Guy. Same, Same guy. Same guy. <laughs> Same guy. Same guy. Same guy. I got to give him credit. All right. So, Lee Allen Jones, it all begins with the drafting of Justin Fields. Did you think Justin Fields has as much upside uh, when the Bears drafted him as he's displayed in the last few weeks ago? I was totally shocked. I was totally shocked that he wasn't the second quarterback taken behind Trevor Lawrence in that draft. Um, If you recall the games he played against Clemson and Alabama, uh, you know, showed that he was a tremendous athlete. I mean, he was strong. He was physical. He had some some challenges in his release in terms of throwing the ball. He had kind of a sidearm, short release, which made the ball come out a little bit smaller. But in terms of what he brought from a mental standpoint, from a physical standpoint, uh, you knew he wasn't uh, Cardale Jones. And that was the other uh, Ohio State quarterback that won a national championship. He wasn't Cardell Jones. He was not anything that had come out of Ohio State. But you got to remember, Joe Burrow was the quarterback at Ohio State that transferred to LSU that created the opportunity for Justin Fields to go to Ohio State after he left Georgia. 
Yeah. So did you think so you think that the Bears were uh right to trade up to, to draft? I couldn't believe he was there. You hear what yeah. I'm saying? He should have yeah. been the second quarterback taken. If you go ask the other 31 teams in the NFL right now, yeah, <laughs> based on our knowledge, where should Justin Fields have gone? He should have went number two. But he ended up getting the reverse of what Mitch Trubisky got. That's why the yin and the yang and Ryan's pace and the number two pick end up being the number 11 pick. I don't know if you believe in numerology, but it's just all of that stuff is floating <laughs> around. But if you take 11 and make it one plus one, it ends up being two. It's, it's, it's wonderful. I mean, for somebody like me, because I thought we shouldn't have got him. I mean, I think we, we shouldn't have gotten him. It, it just, frankly, we shouldn't have gotten Justin Fields. So just take that yeah. what it's worth. You should have never had the opportunity to pick him when you looked at where they were in the draft and what his skill set was. Shouldn't have got him. Well, well uh, I think numerology uh, probably explains uh, Ryan Pace's uh, decision-making better than anything else. Either that or he's just throwing darts at a, uh, a board. Uh, all right, so I'm going to stop uh, picking on him. He's no longer the general manager. Uh, he was replaced, thankfully. Uh at the end of last season. With uh, another Ryan. With another with Ryan. Another <laughs> RP. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan. Ryan Poles. Yeah. Another same issues. Uh so ladies and gentlemen, you got to know something about Lee Allen Jones. He's been singing Ryan Poles praise to me since the summer. And I'd be like, Lee Allen, what are you drinking? There's no there's no I mean it's way too early uh to 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 make these definitive statements. Uh and he you, you would tell me that he's one of the most brilliant young minds in football. You've told me that since the summer. Uh, every single move he made, you have defended. Even Rokon Smith uh, and Robert Quinn, uh, getting rid of them, the two stalwarts on the defense, the two veteran leaders on the defense. I was like texting the Allen, like, what are the Bears doing? They're just tanking. That's all they're doing. So why don't you take it from the top? What impresses you so much? about Ryan Poles. Let me just go back to this. I don't know if you, I always repeat this, all right? I, I'm basically doing insider trading. I'm not the genius you think I am. Jeff Allen was a young man that I mentored and coached at King College Prep, uh, who had the opportunity to go to the University of Illinois on a scholarship, started four years, and got the opportunity to be drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs 44th overall. Tremendous story. Guess who was at Kansas City when he was there? Matt Nagy and Ryan Poles. Ryan Poles on the college scouting side, I believe, Matt Nagy, quarterback coach slash OC. So he basically let me know about Matt Nagy and what he thought he could do in year one, year two, in terms of if, um, if Trubisky could adopt the scheme. Trubisky wasn't that quarterback and Matt Nagy wasn't that coach. So now we flip it. We go back to Ryan Poles. Ryan Poles gets drafted. I talked to Jeff. Jeff said he's a really solid guy, and you know he's going to do what he needs to do. If you recall what they did at Kansas City year before last year, I believe they drafted two young offensive linemen. They drafted Creed Humphrey, and I want to say they drafted the guard from Tennessee. I can't recall his name right now. And they started those guys. So at the very least, looking when Ryan Poles was coming in, you knew he was going to be able to solidify the offensive line, and he actually did that. I don't know why people are making, you know, he's an offensive lineman. He played at Boston College. And so the Ian, Ian Cunningham, I think, played at South Carolina, the assistant GM. 
you knew that coming in, the Bears needed to get some form of identity in terms of stock, you know, um, catering to thinking that a, a team was going to do something. You need personnel to win in the NFL. So when he came in and he went into the draft, it was it, they didn't have you got to think they only had five picks going into the draft, right? They only had five picks because they had traded away those picks. So here it is: this young man goes into his first draft, thirty-six-year-old GM with five draft picks. He comes out of it with uh, a trade for Khalil Mack. He gets another second-round pick. He goes in and he fixes the defensive backfield with Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Briscoe. Why? The Bears have not had a good, strong safety since uh, Adrian Amos, since he left to become a free agent with Green Bay. He gets he gets another corner that can play inside and outside, which what gave them problems last year. He solidifies the defensive backfield in the first and second round of a draft where he only had five. And so I was like, wow. Like, wow. Then I didn't know that he was going to turn that third uh, into everything that he did. He gets Bayless Jones which is going to be a weapon. Then he gets to his fourth round pick and he's down to what? Three picks in the whole draft. And he turns it into a starting left tackle. He turns it into a defensive end. that's going to probably be a, start, a starting defensive end. Basically he gets, and he gets contributors as rookies that are playing right now. And then what he didn't do, what I thought was phenomenal was what, when they went to camp, they didn't sign a bunch of veterans, if you recall. They didn't just go out there in free agency and sign a bunch of veterans. They allowed their rookies and undrafted free agents to come in and do what? Get all the snaps in rookie minicamp and then let them get all the snaps in veteran minicamp. So by the time those rookies and undrafted free agents got to uh, uh, summer camp, they had gotten all the reps in the offseason. Because they didn't go sign a bunch of veterans, they said we're going to draft guys and allow them to come in and compete and get all of these reps. And then we bring the veterans in. We're going to have these young, you know, rookies come in competing against veterans. And this is how we're going to build our roster. Uh, and uh, he was going back to the, what you said at the outset. Uh, Ryan Poles was an offensive lineman. Uh, the Bears have always been uh, weak with the offensive line. Going back to the days of Jay Cutler, being a quarterback from the Bears usually means running for your life uh, because the protection is not there. So most Bear fans were upset that uh, Ryan Poles did not use his top draft choices to get to solidify that offensive line, nor did he use, as you just pointed out, the signings of uh, free agents to solidify that offensive line. And uh, the, the early debates that we had about the Bears was me parroting uh, the conventional wisdom, Michael Martz. Remember, I kept throwing up Mike Martz to you, the former mm -hmm. coach, uh, that the Bears offensive line is the worst offensive line he has seen. I think he said since the Lions team that went, uh, did not win a game, I think about two, 2008 or something like that. Uh, and... He said that uh, Justin Fields will be lucky if he escapes this year without serious injury because that is just – there's no protection uh, for uh, him. So here we are roughly halfway through the season. The Bears, again, disappointing three and seven. Well, you could say if it's a tanking year, it's not disappointing. It's what they set out to do. They're three and seven. 
Um, so what's your verdict now on the decision not to draft high for the offensive line or to sign uh, a veteran free agent? Uh, going back to what we said about Jay Cutler, let's go back to that because it's going to bring into the point I'm going to make now. We make the mistake here of going to get the high. Remember, he was a a, 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 free, a guy that we traded for to Denver when we got Jay Cutler. Mm-hmm. We didn't have an offensive line to protect for Jay Cutler, but we'd already committed salary cap to Jay Cutler at a premium level without having the offensive line set. We had Charles Leno, which was a seventh-round pick under the Phil Emery regime that ended up being the left tackle. Cody Whitehair ended up being decent. Um, we just, but what, what happened is we were backwards. We allocated all the money to the quarterback without building out that offensive line first. And what people don't really realize is offensive line is a position that's really about instincts. It's about – so a lot of people think that because you're a Division One offensive lineman that it automatically means you'll be a pro. That's not the case. Uh, I, I remember having a good my, a good friend of mine is the offense. Actually, two good friends of mine are, are offensive line coaches. One is Jeff Stoutland. That's the offensive line coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. And the other is Eric Wolford, who's the offensive line coach at Alabama. But even previous to them, uh, a good friend of mine in Scott Scouting World was Paul Ganella. And he had mentioned, we say, how many times have you seen an Alabama offensive lineman become an all-pro in the NFL? And I said, uh, he said a lot. I said, then I looked at it, said nine. He said, because what happens is that these big programs, because they're so big and strong and in, in Alabama and the SEC and they're recruiting the biggest, strongest players in the country. And these guys are hitting every day in practice. So by the time they get to the NFL, their bodies have the, they, they're on the decline because of this physical, you know, Contest that they're going on every day in practice. He said, So, those out the, when you look at these, you know, big time programs to the line to the NFL, not as much as you think in terms of the, the, the longevity in their career. So, when you look at a kid like Braxton Jones, I had Braxton Jones when I went through my evaluation as being a guy I would draft in the third round. I would have traded, I would have traded back in the third round because he had the physical skill set, he had long arms over 300 pounds, came from a small school. He said, I wouldn't have picked Bernard Raymond, who was the, was rated higher than him out of Central Michigan, which is a kid from Austria that played tight end. So nonetheless, when they got this guy in the fifth round, and I had him as a third rounder, I would have traded. That was your start. That's what the Patriots do. That's what, when you look at all of the good teams, they're not, they don't have the draft picks to get guys that high. So they got to get guys with attributes that they develop into greatness, and that's what you got. So they drafted a franchise left tackle in the fifth round. You believe that still, based on this? The, all, yeah. yeah, all this kid is going to do, his feet and his, his footwork, he hasn't been beaten to the edge more than he's been overpowered. Why is he being overpowered? Because he didn't have the weight room and the – training table that a kid at Notre Dame would have. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. The tra- he wasn't getting that 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 he wasn't he, his trainer wasn't making three hundred his uh strength and conditioning coach at Southern Utah wasn't making five hundred thousand dollars a year. You understand what I'm saying? So when that kid and he started every game. 
the Bears have the number one rushing attack in the NFL with a fifth round pick at left tackle. And he's graded out higher as a run blocker than a pass blocker. And he's rated just as high as the guys that were drafted in the first round based on PPF. So you believe, contrary to what everybody says, that the Bears actually uh, solidified their offensive line uh, in this offense? They have the they're in the number, they have the number one rushing attack in the NFL. They may have three runners that have over a thousand yards Montgomery and Herbert and Fields. And you're going to see with uh, Treston Everton this week, you'll see that, and he's a four four guy that can hit the home run. You, the Bears have the number one rushing attack in the NFL, and the, the first snow just hit this week. Okay, and part of the reason, uh, let's get to it, uh, part of the reason they have the number one rushing attack uh, is that they suddenly discovered four weeks ago, I think it's been four weeks now, uh, that Justin Fields was an extraordinary runner. Some of those runs that he's broken, I know this is going to sound um, sacrilegious to say, I mean, you got to go back to uh, Walter Payton and Gail Sayers. That run, that run he did, which which team where he froze the offense with a fake the throw, and then yeah, he, yeah. that was I still <laughs> I still can't believe he did that. Just the prowess. A, yeah, go ahead. Listen, man, you're looking at a masterpiece being put together in football. A literal because even from a salary cap standpoint, all right, when you talk about having the number of one rushing attack in the NFL, that didn't that's been over since the San Francisco game. All right. That was since the San Francisco yeah. game. You got to think about it. Justin Fields made the same run in the Green Bay game. It was called back for holding. Yeah. He made the same run in Minnesota. It was called back. He you got to think, remember the touchdown he got in Minnesota? That yeah. was called back. Yeah. The same thing happened in Dallas. The Bears aren't losing games like people are thinking because they're only missing four or five plays a game that are keeping them from winning. A fumble because you put a rookie out there in a situation where you receive a punt. That ends up being two games. So they're not they're only losing by one possession. The Green Bay game, they didn't give them the touchdown on the on the quarterback seat. So you're not watching a team tanking. You're just watching the team becoming great before your eyes. A, a young team that's learning to have a killer instinct is what you're watching like. All right, so let's confront the conventional wisdom about Justin Fields. Great runner. Great runner. This is the conventional wisdom now <laughs> over the last four weeks. They weren't saying this, by the way, before, five weeks before, but five weeks ago, but whatever. This is right, a great runner, but uh, he's not a pocket quarterback. He can't drop back uh, and uh, move the, the offense by uh, throwing the ball. A great runner will a quarterback will invariably get injured. His career will be over. Uh, the Bears are doing a bad job of developing him as a pocket uh, quarterback. Your response to this particular line of conventional wisdom uh, against the Chicago Bears? Go. They don't know football. They don't know football. I mean, you got to think about it. Justin Fields throwing the ball is more than about Justin Fields. All right, when he has thrown the ball. Been very efficient. Remember that throw he made to Dante Pettis over the shoulder against Washington? The, 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 he's made some – his deep ball is phenomenal, and I think with Chase Claypool, you're going to see more of that. But what you got to take into consideration, you're dealing with the first-year offensive coordinator in Luke Getz. 
All right. And I want to make say this right now. Chicago should be begging Luke Getzey and starting to GoFundMe to say, just stay one more year with us. <laughs> if Luke Getzey, I'm dead ass. Yeah. If, if Luke Getzey stays one more year, we go to the Super Bowl. Because if the marriage of Luke Getzey and Justin Fields are what you're going to see manifest in the passing game. And they're doing, they're not doing saying a lot of football and you run five. They're doing sight adjusted routes, right? I don't know if people understand what that means. It means that they're adjusting things without them being communicated based upon protocols and the cadence of what they're doing. So they're not doing football the way you would think they're doing football. They're doing football that says they need repetition. They need to do this stuff a thousand times. And they're going to make 999 mistakes while they're doing it. That's why I know they're going to be a great football team. That's why I don't want Luke let Getty to leave because the scheme is 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 being ingrained in the Justin Fields. It's like when remember watching the Matrix when uh, they, they would download the program into the head of uh, you know them and they do the fight. That's what's happening right now with Justin Fields. He's being loaded up with information. There was something that came out this week about Justin Fields. They said that he had only had 1,200 passing attempts when he was in high school and very and few more passing attempts when he was at Ohio State. So he hasn't even thrown 2,500 to 3,000 passes in a competitive football game. Well, I would like to see him do uh, more throwing. I know this uh, sounds contradictory since I was just uh, lauding his great running abilities, and uh, it is absolutely clear that since uh, the Bears changed their offense to uh, allow him more freedom to run, to call plays for him to run specifically, it's been a totally uh, transformed team, far more exciting and interesting than the pre-run teams. Uh, and I, I know I texted, we, Lee Allen and I text on uh, football games all the time. I go, uh, the Bears with a great and exciting offense are so much more fun uh, to watch than the Bears with a bad offense and a good defense. Uh, even if you lose, it's just more fun, more exciting, uh, and uh, thrilling, etc. I can't recall a Bears team that with this this much fun uh, to watch as you know post obviously uh, the uh, Super Bowl teams uh, the eighties. So, um, I, having said that, I do would I would love to see. We haven't seen it yet. Uh, the Bears really exhibit a strong uh, pass attack. And I'm very frustrated by how they've used uh, Claypool so far. And I'd love to get your response to this. I believe he was traded. They picked him up from Pittsburgh. So he's two full games, I want to say, with the Bears. Uh, how many times he, did he catch one pass last week? This is a legit receiver. This is a, this is a guy the Bears traded a number two for. What, you've been extolling the virtues of the Bears uh play calling but why aren't they taking greater advantage of the star that they have or the potential star that they have uh in the receiver core go ahead king uh you're talking about a guy that you're looking at that's going to be your number one wide receiver and like i said before they're running site adjusted routes i don't know if that if you understand what that means that means that this receiver is going to make a move based upon what the corner does, based upon, it's like a, a, a radar system or something like it. 
they're running things that take intricacy that you need more repetition. So obviously people want to see them just go out there and play, but you got to integrate them into the system. And then you just got to think about it. They brought Brian Pringle back last week that had been on injured reserve for four games. The guy that came from Kansas City that plays the slot. So when you look at the Bears, you're looking at something that's coming together. It's almost like it's like if your mother was cooking and, and you're thinking that it's ready because it smells good and she's saying it's not ready and please leave me alone and get out of the kitchen. I'm pretty okay. sure you, did you grew up in a household like that where is it ready yet? Is it ready yet? Yeah. And it might and that's just what but the running game is bailing them out. So that's like getting a snack. Here, take these potato chips. The running game is giving you everything you need right now. And like I said before, you have the number one rushing attack in the NFL. Is that I don't know if you the number one. Yeah, I'm no, about, I know. So you want to you, you stop, you know, like your mother would say, you know, get out of the kitchen, let the process work itself out. It smells wonderful. That's what you're talking about. I mean, the aroma, it's like, you know, the aroma is smelling that bread and you want it. But if you open the oven, you're going to collapse the cake. And that's what, and, and we just want it so bad because we haven't had it at any point. We oh, no, at any we point. <laughs> we're deprived. I get it. Trust me. I mean, I look. Here's the reality, by the way. The, the my mother cooking metaphor. May you rest in peace, mom. My mom was a great cook, and like I would go into the kitchen so many times, uh, and there would be like a stew, and it would be the sauce. I'd be dipping the bread in there, and she, yeah, she can't. <laughs> Nobody that's wants that want soggy run. bread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, that's what you're doing right now. You're doing the bear's kitchen, trying to go in the pot to get some sauce. Here's how tough it is for Bear fans. Again, 1966, but a Bear fans since 1966, seen a lot of quarterbacks come and go. I I was just having an argument at the bowling alley the other day with my friends. I was I was defending Vince Evans and Bobby Douglas. That's how that's a fan I am. I was defending Vince. I love Vince Evans and I love Bobby Douglas. Man, Bobby Douglas, that left hand man, those bullet passes and great running. But Jay Cutler. Just to take a little uh, detour here for a moment. Not accounting Sid Luckman in the 1940s, which is even before my time. Believe it or not, I'm not old enough to remember that. The greatest quarterback in the history of the Chicago Bears is Jay Cutler. Just think no about question. that. No and, question. <laughs> and Bear fans hate Jay Cutler. That's kind of like a schizophrenic bunch. Go ahead, Lee Allen, and deal with that for a moment. It, it, it goes back. Let's go back to what we said about Ryan Post. I want to put this out there, too, because, you you know, people are saying the Bears don't have – you can't score 31 points a game over the last four and not have talent. You understand mm -hmm. what I'm saying? That takes talent to do that. Like, you got guys that if you ask them to do 50 push-ups and 50 sit-ups, their body will start cramping up a quarter of the way in. These are phenomenal athletes. Don't get yourself twisted, right? We're not, you're not going to see many more upgrades on this roster than you see right now. I, and I, I think, you know, with all of these people doing fantasy football, they think that you, you don't need to do – they got all the size and speed they need. The only thing they need to happen right now is let it simmer in the pot. Right. This is a young – this is a young team. And this is what I was thinking about Ryan Post. I think that the national media attacked the Bears unjustly because they did not hire Lewis Riddick. I think everybody thought 
that Lewis Riddick, because you got to think Lewis Riddick, the guy that's on ESPN that does uh, Comer Commentary, uh, you know, that it talked about, that was Matt Nagy's guy. Everybody felt that he should have been the shoe-in to have gotten the Bears job. You know, bring in Lewis Riddick. He got his quarterback. He had bring. So when Lewis Riddick didn't get the job and it became Ryan Pose, he's not entrenched in in the national media piece, right? He's not. A, he doesn't. He he was just working in the scouting department at Kansas City, so he doesn't know those guys. But he's a grinder. So when he didn't, Lewis Riddick didn't get the job. Automatically, Ryan Pose had to deal with the, uh, the 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 BS of Lewis Riddick not getting that job in the local media like Lewis Reddick and thought he should have gotten a job. And so they parrot what the national media says and then put this undue burden on Ryan Poles uh, to jump out the gate. Because if you notice, everything Ryan Poles has done has had scrutiny associated with it, and it's all started in the national media, then the local media parrots. No, this is, uh, your, ladies and gentlemen, you're hearing Lee Allen Jones, uh, one of his theories about the media. I don't know if we want to go in this direction because I have to. There, I, there's a, something else I want to raise, which is the race issue. Um, but uh, Lee Allen can give you like 15 minutes on how the local media in Chicago follows the national media, uh, and when it comes to covering the Bears, uh, and they, their instinct is to be very critical uh, of the Bears because they're following the national media. Is, is, am I essentially getting your assessment correct? Totally. And it goes back to saying that the Bears don't have talent. The reason they're saying the Bears don't have talent is that you got to think it's a buddy buddy network in any institution. The NFL is no different. The reason the Bears didn't have talent is that Ryan Poles didn't go overspend for it. You got to take what you got to the sorts of the uses of the problem. Because he didn't go spend a bunch of money, they don't have talent because he didn't overspend for their guy. He didn't go give a receiver, a $25 million a year contract because it just was the thing to do. He cleared $90 million of dead cap space and and, and basically said, we're going to have a roster that's going to be competitive. We're going to play. You got to think we're playing with the lowest salary cap in the NFL. They have 15 rookies on this roster. So when you hear the criticism of the Bears, it's really information that's seeping out from people within that institution that are saying, hey, we should have gotten more money out of the Bears for this player. We can't use the Bears organization, you know, typically within this network of discussion, and that's when you know that you're preparing for a great team. All right, let's uh, address the race issue. And um, so when the Bears did not draft Patrick Mahomes and they took Mitch Trubisky and they did not sign Colin Kaepernick uh, to be their quarterback, uh, I I can't remember the dude's name that they signed. It was horrible. It was just it was uh, like, Glennon. Mike yeah, Glennon. Mike Glennon. Thank you for bringing back that memory. Uh, I was so outraged, and I believe there was a racial component to it. Definitely a political component. They didn't want anything to do with Colin Kaepernick, uh, and I just could not understand how they could not pick Patrick Mahomes. I will never understand that uh, how they could not pick Patrick Mahomes. He's absolutely brilliant. Maybe when it's all said and done, uh, he'll rival Tom Brady as the greatest of all time. It's a long way to go before we get there. I admit that. But he's definitely shows the potential to do that. I was so pissed off at the Bears. As I said, I quit on him. 
And I'm a lifelong fan. And I just felt that this is an institution that was stuck in the past. And I've always had issues with Mike Ditka as a coach and his politics and how the Bears put up with his right-wing MAGA politics for year after year, the stupid things he said, uh, politically speaking, but which is like, was accepted. You would never, they would never allow anybody with those opinions from the left side of the sphere to have, <laughs> not that anybody exists like that in the NFL, but it just would unthinkable that a lefty would have that kind of platform and acknowledge. So I had a lot of issues with the Bears, but I must concede, uh, Lee Allen, the Bears, like they're playing from a different book. Ryan Poles is a black man. Justin Fields is a black man. The face of the team is a uh, Justin Fields, the quarterback. And Ian Cunningham, you've talked about him a couple times. He doesn't get a lot of attention. Uh, is the number two man uh, in the front office, correct? Number two is the one ahead of yep. him. He's a black yep. man. That's black power on the Bears. I think the Bears, and let me put it to you like this. I think the Bears have assembled, and you got to add Tanisha Wade in there too, that does community outreach. She's an African-American woman. Uh, and they have some um, uh, uh, Hispanic population as well. I don't think people know how good of a leader George McCaskey has been in assembling the people around Alice Hall. I got the opportunity to go up there uh, multiple times this year, one to get certified as a youth football coach, the second when they allowed you to come watch the practice. I think George McCaskey has created a tremendous diverse class of people uh, at Hallis Hall, and I tend to believe it's not over. I think that Ryan Poles may be auditioning for a team president. Well, there's a vacancy. <laughs> there is a vacancy, and what you, he, it may be because he gave Ryan Pace the same kind of trajectory. He allowed Ryan Pace to rebuild, you know, Hallis Hall, and which was a, a, a wonderful renovation that made them look like one of the, 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 like they should, the charter member of the NFL. So I think Ryan Poles is on track for that team president job, and Ian Cunningham may be in, in, in for the general manager, and this may be the leadership that the Bears has needed to not try to follow a trend, but to set it. And I think they've done a great job in mental health, and you can see the mental health work even in Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields should be a spokesperson for mental health in Chicago. What do you mean by that? Because what he's doing on the field, do you realize all of the pressure he's under at 24 years old to be the face of a franchise and what he was at early in the year with all of the criticism and scrutiny around him and now look at him as a quarter. Look at his stature and his leadership ability. I mean, he is a leader, and I think mental health has been the focus of that. Because I think that you have to have that component in your football now because of so many things that go wrong when you have teams. Look at all the tragedies that happen. Look at what has happened in Virginia this week. Three football players murdered by another football player. And this is not the first incident of violence in football. So when you look at mental health and now that being incorporated in, you know, into the, the recipe of success, at Hallis Hall, you need people to balance that out. These are young men we're demanding to have perfection. How do you, you, you know, 
We're asking them to have perfection. Look at every week somebody's criticizing what they do, every comment that they say. And yet we don't sit back and look at it that these are 24, 25, and they've been written off. I mean, you're written off in sports at 32 to 33 years old. And then we don't and we don't take that into account. And so what George McCaskey has done with a team and the modern challenges of administrating a successful football team, he's laid down a tremendous blueprint and he's done it by, by being diverse. Uh, Ryan Poles might be the best black leader and Ian Cunningham may be the best black leaders in Illinois. Okay, so this is uh, where Lee Allen and I part, and uh, we get into the political discussion. It's I mean, a lot. because leadership, you're talking about taking a franchise that has been consistently bad, and you're talking about these guys are land. These are 30 year old, 36 year old men. If they're successful, they don't have to leave. And yes. the Bears are the Bears are an institution in this in, in this city that brings everything together, and they're getting ready to go to Arlington Heights. Well, uh, let's go to Arlington Heights. This is me speaking, not uh, Lee Allen. Feel free to go to Arlington Heights because I don't want any tax dollars uh, going to subsidize a Bear Stadium. And if Arlington Heights wants to do it, they're free to do it, uh, Lee Allen Jones. And I, I do believe that deal will be cut uh, and the Bears will move to Arlington Heights uh, and it will be publicly financed uh, stadium with uh, probably property taxes from Arlington Heights. Uh, anyway, listen, I, I never... I'm going to concede you this moment because I really have never seen the Bears on this front take such leadership. Uh, and the point you made about mental health is a good one because Justin Fields was under, well, take, make it present, is under so much pressure and scrutiny. The Bears quarterback is just the focus. This The Bears are the number one team in Chicago in terms, I think, of the greatest uh, base of support. That crosses uh, all racial and ethnic lines as well, you know. And uh, so, like white people like the Bears, black people like the Bears. I'm not certain that the Bulls have the crossover uh, that the Bears do with white people. So it's just the Bears are it. They're like to your point. They're just this the the number one sports team. And when they win, the city gets so excited. We've seen that happen in my lifetime. I've seen it happen twice. In your lifetime, you've seen it happen once when the Bears made the right. Super Bowl in 2006. You're not old enough to remember the uh, Super I Bowl. I remember 85. A neighbor from down the street won Big Monkey in that. So Okay, uh, so but, see, but, that's yeah. how you remember. <laughs> yeah, I remember I was six, but I remember the Super Bowl. Hey, I'm not here to start no trouble. I'm okay. just here to see the Super Bowl show. <laughs> Do the Super okay. Bowl show. So don't, don't, I, I had a pair of rules, too. Well, uh, one thing we do see eye to eye on, the Bears made a huge mistake after that. Uh, Super Bowl team. They let the wrong coach go. They should have kept Buddy Ryan and let Mike Ditka go. But let's not relitigate that one. Uh, so this is, like I said, this is like a new chapter for the Bears for me. And the pressure, the point I was going to make, the pressure that any quarterback faces for the Chicago Bears. I remember Jay Cutler was under tremendous pressure and just mocked at times and just and maligned. But he he dealt with it with his arrogance and his contempt for people. He kind of had a, a display of arrogance and indifference uh, to everybody around him. That was one coping skill, I think, that he had. Uh, Justin Fields is not arrogant. He's not contemptuous of people. He doesn't emanate uh, sort of like disdain for uh, people. And so he's dealing with this pressure in his own way. And I do, I agree with you, remarkable uh, 
the that how how he's handled it so far. All right. Uh, so the next game is Atlanta. I will now read to you the experts. Uh, so this show will drop the day after the Atlanta game. So my beloved bright one, the Chicago Sun Times, every Friday assembles the predictions of their expert staff of football writers, writers who follow football. Uh, and so there's one, two, three, four, five, six experts assembled, and four predict the Bears, two predict the Falcons. All right, uh, which is pretty high uh, for pro Bear picks. Uh, for, for the Sun Times, they've been kind of negative about the Bears, to put it mildly. Totally caught off guard by that Patriots game and scrambling to figure out a narrative uh, that will fit. Not quite sure where they're going with their narrative uh, about the Bears. Not they're not nowhere near close to being as complimentary about the Bears as Lee Allen is. That's for sure. Um, so standard predictions: twenty-seven, twenty-four, twenty-seven, twenty-five, twenty-eight, twenty-seven. Very close games. Uh, these, these first three predictors under thirty. The Bears have scored over thirty points for the last four games. I want to say. Um, so these Bear these writers are under sort of just underestimating the Bears offensively. And then there's someone who's at 42 to 40 for the Falcons, 31, 27 for the Bears, 34. So three people are over 30. Your prediction, your thoughts for Atlanta's game. Uh, you got to remember that uh, this is a homecoming for Justin Fields. He's a Georgia boy. So he's going home. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a bunch of friends and family there for him. Uh, Darnell Mooney is from Alabama. Davis uh, Jones is from Alabama. Uh, you know, for those guys that are from down south, this is a homecoming game for them. Uh, so I think they're going to be very spirited. Um, I think, it, in my in my opinion, looking at the Atlanta Falcons, they should win by two scores. Like I said, it, this is a homecoming for a guy like Fields, and he's and he's going to satisfy his fan base. And every man is going to play good, you know, close to home in front of friends, family coaches and all of that familiarity. So uh, he's not going to dis- uh, he's not going to disappoint. And you're going to see more from Chase Claypool. I mean, if he's been here three weeks. So a lot of the things that I mentioned to you in terms of getting familiarity with the scheme, you're going to see that come out. And it's another thing. You know, I think that Justin Fields has had something that many Bear quarterbacks haven't had in years. And that's a really good tight end, Cole Komet. So it's like, I don't think people understand that the relationship that Justin Fields has to develop is going to be with Cole Komet because that complements the running game first. When the relationship with Komet is established and now those safeties and linebackers have to factor into Komet, that's when you're going to start seeing the fireworks with this offense. So are you predicting that the Bears will win by at least 14 points? Uh, or 10. So not two touchdowns. So you say the Bears will win by 10. Uh, 10, it could be six. I mean, I said two scores, it could be six. <laughs> well, you know, listen, I make fun of the experts, but they got to put something on a piece of paper and stand by it. So, what's no, your what prediction? I'm is, uh, my two score, I can see, um, I think the Bears are gonna uh, 42 27. Okay, there we go. That's good prediction. 42 27. Uh, I mean, uh, he's gonna be at home, he's gonna, he's gonna get some fireworks this week because they got Byron Pringle back. Uh, he's going to be important to the scheme. He's been there the whole off season, so you got to think they haven't. They didn't have their wide receivers healthy all until last week. So when we talk about the passing game, they hadn't had their four complimentary receivers until last week, which would have been week nine. Yeah. By the way, I really like Pettis. I just like 
I, I, he just reminds me. Well, first of all, his father, his father played baseball. Father, yeah, yeah. His he, father, he, his father he, was no different. Think about this. No different than Mahomes. Yeah. That's where I don't I don't understand how Ryan Pace missed the evaluation on Mahomes based upon not wanting to have a Jay Cutler. That was a theory that him coming out of Texas Tech and throwing it because you got to think Texas Tech quarterbacks have not had a lot of success in the NFL, even though they put up astounding numbers while at Texas Tech. So, but when I when you throw in the fact that this, you know, Mahomes grew up in a locker room. Yeah. I don't know how you miss on that. It's probably he grew up in a locker room as a, a boy amongst men. How don't you that and you could have traded back and got Mahomes. You do know that, right? Uh, yes. Oh, absolutely. I know that. that so you could have traded back and got Mahomes yeah. and something else. But that's why I think with Ryan Poles and this draft coming up, don't be surprised if Ryan Poles rolls the dice and gets into the top 10. Because the Bears won't be in the top 10. I think they'll finish with a record that'll have them drafted between 15 and 22. He's going to, because he can. He already got his quarterback. I really want Jerry Burst, the defensive end out of Florida State. That's who I want. Wow. Or the defensive tackle out of Texas, out of out of Baylor. Well, you're way ahead of the game. Uh, and 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 let me just say, we should do well, this more often. We can yeah. make money, Dan. We're better <laughs> right now, me and you, principally because you trust me. Now we're the best Bears analysts outside of the guys that I was on. Well, okay, you are. I do not put myself. Uh, I, you're with category. me, though. I'm you're a Bears me, fan. Though. Yeah, just I'm, based on your Bears loyalty. You're with me. I'm just a bear, a loyal Bears fan. I I, I can't quite understand why. I, really, my love for football, like which is us. just uh, like all of us. We're just dot a bear down <laughs> Chicago Bears. Hey, we're the pride and joy of Illinois. Okay, yeah, we're, <laughs> hey, let it go. Hey, and my thing is, we're the charter franchise. We have we've been out in the wilderness, Ben. We've been out. Hey, we're coming home. We've been out in the wilderness. Uh, yes, we, it's been a long time. We've been in the wilderness. We the Bears have not been in the ended. Super Bowl in 15, 16 years. 16 years Listen, been in the Super Bowl. We, I'll give you the contention. I'll give you the hot take. I'll give you the hot take. We could have multiple Super Bowls before we get to Arlington Heights. Wow, I'm going to write that. You know Put what? Down. what we whatever. We have multiple Super because it just makes sense. When we have... We have been in the wilderness. We've been delivered, and we may have. And we may be going into the new building, and you, with two Super Bowls, or even one Super Bowl in your case, Ben, you won't have such an issue with that uh, that tax status of uh, getting that uh, development done. <laughs> I, I will always have an issue with that tax status, but but look, here's the deal about the tax status. We talk about taxes and sports a lot in this show. I have changed. I have a dear friend of mine, Sean Dinsis, was on the show. Shout out to Sean, who wrote a book called Bulls Markets, which analyzes the deal that went down to subsidize the United Center. And we got into it about the White Sox and White Sox Park because I have flipped on White Sox Park. And he was making fun of me. But I have come to appreciate the fact that the state is underwriting essentially the White Sox operation. That puts a team at 35th and Shields uh, on the south side of Chicago in uh, a team that's far more attractive to just the full range of Chicagoans than the Cubs on the north side. And I just appreciate that. 
I just appreciate the fact that I get to go to White Sox games with my friends and we're sitting in a diverse crowd, far more diverse uh, racially and ethically uh, and income-wise than Wrigley Field. Now, I, I I think you're a Cub fan, actually. I think you told me that. So yeah, uh, a, you're a Cub, Cub fan. fan. Yeah. And I used to be a Cub fan. I quit on them. Let's not even go down that path. So ultimately, if it's high, Arlington Heights is paying for it with their property tax dollars, that's not my fight. That's that's them. That's not me. City of Chicago, different ball game, and it doesn't look like the city of Chicago is going to do it. Uh, and uh, so it's going to be Arlington Heights. Well, I'm just going to come right back to it. Here are the three candidates. Worst decision all time in Chicago sports. Number one, of course, obvious, the decision to take Trubisky over Mahomes. Number two, they let Greg Maddox go in 1992. Terrible, terrible decision. Uh, and number three, in my humble opinion, uh, the Blackhawks, this is before your time, did not sign uh, the Golden Jet, Bobby Hull. They let him go. Those are the three worst decisions by sports executives in the history of Chicago sports. By Number one by far. Number one by far. Unbelievable is Mahomes' deal. Mahomes, uh, Trubisky, but listen, they say you, and, and, the, and the, one of the great decisions. Go ahead, say One it. of the great decisions. <laughs> Let's just be fair. One of the great decisions may be trading up to get Justin Fields. And I think the football gods, they may have blessed us in terms of giving up. Because I, I, when you look at it, when you see, you may see a Super Bowl with Mahomes. Listen to this. You can see a Super Bowl with Mahomes and Justin Fields in Arlington Heights. <laughs> Okay, we'll end with that. Uh, <laughs> That's why you would go to Arlington Heights to host the Super Bowl. Uh, it, happened, it happened in Tampa Bay with Tom Brady. You do know the NFL is no different than WWF. I understand that, but it's it. they didn't even build a stadium in Arlington Heights yet, number one. Number two, there's a waiting list to get the Super Bowl. I'm not sure Patrick Mahomes. Chicago is a charter franchise, and you're talking about Mahomes is only, what, 27? Yeah. I'm not sure they'll both be in football by the time the NFL gets around to giving Chicago. But I could be wrong. You and I will no, watch no, that game you're together. You know, Chicago, they build a billion and a half dollar stadium. Chicago will. Chicago is a gangster town. You know, we, we'll get we'll get the Super Bowl, even though Mayor Daly couldn't get the Olympics. All right. Thank God he didn't get the. And Olympics. guess All what? Right. And this is the truth. I'll leave you with this, and I'll mention this: Justin Fields may be good enough that you end up having two franchises in the Chicago land area because Soldier Field. It's still going to be able to have an NFL team. The no, they should have team. Soldier Field should be uh, turned over to the citizens of the city of Chicago. That should be where they uh, have the, the city championship track meets. That's where they should have the city championship soccer meets, the football uh, championships. All of those games should be played at Soldier Field. It's uh, a, a, the turf. Hey, the turf is held up. Have you noticed they have not had any issues with the turf at Soldier Field based upon them changing that grass? from whatever they change it from. The Soldier Field turf has not been an issue. And I think that's uh, that's complimentary because I think the NFL could possibly, you got to think, the NFL may give us another uh, a franchise in London. You could end up getting an international franchise. And I think Chicago, if the Bears go to Arlington Heights, you'll get another. The NFL is better than crack. All right. We're going to uh, hold it there. As I always tell my guests, I always let my guests get the last word in on the Ben Jarofsky show. That's, I let them, even if I don't agree with them, I let them have the last uh, word. 
Uh, and uh, so, Lee Allen Jones, thank you very much. I wrote your thank predictions you. down. Uh, and uh, we'll bring you back soon uh, to talk more football because one thing is for certain, you know your football. Thank you very much, Lee Allen. Thank you so much. Enjoy your Friday. Thanks again, Chris. All right. Very good. That's Lee Allen Jones. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody.